You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Broadway, Broadway, in all of its glory, we all have a memory, we all have a story. Was there an understudy? Where did the show stop? Did you see Barbara before she shot to the top? Join us as we revel in a reverie, it's my Broadway memory. Michael, should we bring on our guests for this evening? I am so excited and I can't believe this lineup. Brian, I'm just smashed you asked. <laughs> we could get smashed tonight. Honestly, why not? Um, okay, so we have Mark Shaman, one of my personal heroes. Buckle your seatbelts, everyone, because this bio is, it's just unbelievable. He is an award-winning composer, lyricist, orchestrator, and musician. Recently, Mark co-wrote the songs and composed the score for the director, uh, for director Rob Marshall and Disney's Mary Poppins Returns, the sequel to the classic film, Mary Poppins. He's Oscar nominated seven times for Mary Poppins Returns, Sleepless in Seattle, Patch Adams, The First Wives Club, The American President, and South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut, one of my favorite movies in the world. He wrote music for some of my favorite uh, other movies like Beaches, First Wives Club, and Hocus Pocus orchestrated that amazing music. And Broadway musical credits are the Tony Award-winning Hairspray, Tony-nominated Martin Short, Fame Becomes Me, Tony-winning Catch Me If You Can, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He has done Peter Allen uh, up in one, Bette Midler's Divine Madness, um, Ellie Green Greenwich's Leader of the Pack, and Patti Lapone on Broadway. He wrote Smash. He's co-produced and arranged Grammy-winning recordings for music icons like Bette Midler, Harry Connick Jr., Mariah Carey, and including the Grammy-winning recordings Wind Beneath My Wings. And from a distance, he's written for SNL and his collaboration with Bette Midler, one of my favorite performances of all time, for her Emmy-winning appearance as his final guest on the Johnny Carson's penultimate Tonight Show. It's one of my favorites. You weren't kidding with that bio. Awesome. No, it's and there's so much more. It's 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 steel. It's amazing. And our other phenomenal guest, Megan Hilty, is most recognizable for her portrayal of seasoned triple th threat Ivy Lynn in NBC's musical drama Smash. Most recently, she starred as Patsy Cline in Lifetime's original movie, Patsy and Loretta, for which she earned a Critics' Choice Award nomination for her performance. Other credits, Wicked, 9 to 5, Noises Off, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. And please welcome Mark Shaman and Megan Hilty! Hello! Hello! How are you guys doing? I'm dead that you guys are here. Thank you for yeah. being here so much. Thank you. Thanks. How, uh, you're like, it's no, you don't have to travel, so it's good. <laughs> How are you guys doing tonight? Where are you going both, on? Where are you both self-isolating or where whatever stage we're in right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously. Mark, you want to go first? I'm in upstate New York, which it's really downstate New York. <laughs> but it's it's up from Manhattan. Uh, and that's where I basically have been since this whole thing started. I've barely left the house. Good. Good for you. I can't. I, you know, I have these in-ears and I'm not going to use them. They're just hideous. I'm going to put on my old fashioned headphones. <laughs> Get rid of those in-ears. It's like. Do you have the molds though? Do you have them? Like, did you yeah, get them molded? Yeah. I just haven't had a chance to really use them. Oh, okay. That's yeah. okay. I, where are you? Where are you? Uh. Megan, oh, where are you? I'm in Los Angeles. I apologize to everyone. We're having some construction done. I didn't know they were coming today. I thought. <laughs> I thought that was your stomach. So it, there's a 
there's like a chainsaw. You know, it's it's really a nice soundtrack for this event. Yes. Yes. Yeah. One would say that they're smashing into your walls, but that's the last. That's the last. We need to make. No. I swear. We're uh, done. Since we are, we've been in LA since the beginning. We've barely left the house. I am now a full time. Well, I was a kindergarten teacher. Now I'm a first grade teacher. Coming into, uh, we're we're starting to buckle down and do that. We're we have this little um, uh, garage that we converted. It was a it was essentially our little guest house. But now, since no guests will be coming, we're now transforming it into a classroom. We're like, full wow. going into it like so that we have like a a space. This is my life now. Like my life is. <laughs> Completely different. I'd like, I'd like to picture you're like uh, Bernadette Peters and Pennies from Heaven. She's a uh, you know 1930s uh, school teacher. Sure, yes. keep that image. Yes, that's exactly. Love is good for anything that ails you. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I for some reason just because of this situation, I'm just imagining a Miss Hannigan situation. Just like oh, just like some some gin right before class. No one's gonna know. They're in, they're in first grade. It's fine. It, there's that like famous meme that went around like when all this started, saying that like it, I, I'm gonna misquote it. I shouldn't even be saying it, but it it it. it, it Alluded to the fact that all the teachers had a drinking problem now, meaning yes. all yeah. these, these. Oh, it was it was um to be tweet teachers are now drinking to get through. It was like job. in thirty years, the people who are running the country are going to be people who were brought up by alcoholics as yes. teachers, something like that. Yeah. yeah, that's hysterical. Well, I mean, just you, I really, we just have to treat ourselves kindly during this time. Life is turned upside down, and just you know. If you want some gin, have some gin. What do I gotta <laughs> say? You know, if it's gonna make you smile. Do you uh, both have playbills? That that's the next question. That's yeah, that's the next question. I do. Do do you have any, Mark? No, because that's okay. It's just like a, a weekend house. It's become like the lifetime house. Quite all right. I've got a couple that I think ah. you think you were had something to do with. And also, I just have a bunch of questions for you. I mean, I'm such a, an admirer and lover of both of your work. I mean, you know, Mark, my mom and my grandfather, who's no longer with us, both, uh, that was the, the father-daughter dance at my parents' wedding was Wind Beneath My Wings. So oh. that song is extremely, I mean, all, all so much of your music is very, very, very important to myself and my family. So this is like just, very just special. Thank you. I mean, I, I was a co-arranger and co-producer. I, I didn't write that song. If if I did, I'd, I'd be, well, I wouldn't be talking to you. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I'd be living on some, in some, I don't know. My God, can you imagine writing that song? Those guys. I mean, can you imagine having written that song? I, I know, mean, I know that. No, I, I know that I, you didn't write it, but that you're, but you are responsible for it. the song I, and the sound. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere there's even a recording of Bet singing the vocal and literally going, did you ever know that Mark Shaman, you're leading me down the garden path, making me sing the song and I will never let you forget it. I keep wishing I could find, find that take in a vault somewhere. Oh, me too. Is there, oh, I'd love to hear that. Now, is there a certain, like, I like hearing things that like, you're not really, um, that you don't really talk about much or whatever, but you know, I have questions of the wazoo, but is there a memory that you have that's like where Bette Midler said that to you in recording that's at the top where you'll never forget that? If if you could get that tattooed on your body, that moment, what would <laughs> what would that be for you? 
Well, that's one of them. But Megan, do you have do you have one? Inappropriate quotes that you would tattoo on your body. That's, oh, that's no, many. <laughs> no, well, not really I inappropriate. Know. Quotes. No, I know, yeah. but I'm interested in you know the inappropriate ones. <laughs> I don't know. But, I don't. I don't. I honestly don't know. We'll, we'll circle back to that. Yeah. Before yeah. before we get to the our playbill memories, we have some questions from our followers on Instagram at my yes, Broadway memory. For those watching, if you ever have any questions for our guests, please just put them in the chat and we will, um, we always ask them on our social beforehand and we could play them the day of like we're going to do now. So this question is for Megan from Alana, Alana S. What made you choose There's Always Tomorrow for your Christmas album? I love it, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, so we're a huge Christmas family, just holiday family in general, but like we start we decorate for Christmas on November 2nd, our wedding anniversary every year. And we have everything up for about two and a half months of the year. Um, and one of my favorite movies is that uh, the Rankin Bass stop motion Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And um, and I always sing uh, There's Always Tomorrow to my kids. Um, and so it just seemed... I don't know. It seemed it seemed totally natural to to put that into our little intimate Christmas uh, album and concert concert tour. Oh, yeah. I love I love that. Thank you. And that's actually a really great segue because this also has to do with holidays. This question is for Mark from David L. And I also really want to know this as well. So, <laughs> what was it like writing music for Hocus Pocus? Did you think it would be a big hit cult classic? It's August and I've already started watching it. So holidays <laughs> are here apparently. <laughs> Once again, I, I must correct. I'm sorry. Uh, I only arranged one song. I arranged, um, I actually wrote, wrote some new lyrics for uh, I Put a Spell on You. That was, oh. that was my only gig on that movie was just on that one song. But, but that's what people remember. Uh, it was fantastic. I, I, I you know, I went into a rehearsal with the ladies and Kenny Ortega with the director. It's just, I just, my memory is just us all around the piano and just me coming up with new lyrics that fit, you know, the story about, you know, what is it? She's vicious. I can't remember any of it because I can't remember oh, anything. I could tell you them. <laughs> I'm your worst guess. I can't remember anything. But um, <laughs> yeah, if there's lyrics that aren't from the original song, um, I kind of wrote them that day at the piano. And then, then we were recording, and I knew I needed to make it kind of like a Bette Midler arrangement. And um, who knew? And now they're like kids, you know, like uh, Jay Armstrong. You know, uh, he was a standby for Aaron in Catch Me If You Can. Never got to go on, but he does a gig every year in drag. Oh yeah, and he sings that song. And when I finally, like two years, ago, he said, "You know, I, I I wrote those special lyrics and I arranged that." You know, he didn't even know. So, I mean, there's a whole generation of people I've worked with who have no idea of the many years. <laughs> Mark, to tie that in, actually, I do the <laughs> I do the production and the promo photos for Jay's show. So I've seen it every single year. And it is, if anyone has a, oh, I don't know what I'll do virtually, This, if he'll do it virtually this year, but it is one of the most amazing self-produced projects in the world. I mean, 
the costumes by David by uh, by David and the make and the make. I mean, it is like the right out of the movie and the song. Cho- it's it's such a brilliant concert. Ugh, I wish it was happening this year. <laughs> Michael, what do you say we show them how to do the Playbill gig? Yes, I'm obsessed with that idea. Um, because, you know, I could just ramble and ask all these questions, these very, very niche questions, like what made you come up with the spell in that song? Like, how did you come up with the lyrics? But we'll talk about that later. So um, I have like nine of these, like nine, nine big ones. So I'm just going to what I like to do. Where did you like get to- them from? These are from your grandparents and your parents? And- no, these are shows that I've seen. Good Lord. Wow. My Broadway memory, honey. We're serious. <laughs> uh, also, but, money yeah, must be um, just a memory. That's a lot of money. <laughs> a lot of well, what's it's funny that you say that because you know I didn't growing up. I this was this is what I did. This is this is th- that was my Hanukkah presents. That was what I saved up for. That was like I didn't want toys. I didn't need this. I didn't need that. I wanted to go see shows. I wanted to go to New York and see shows. That was my that that was what i got my kicks so and i learned how to do it at a young age when you know seeing tarzan in 2006 was 20 dollars for a student rush ticket now it's not but you know 20 dollars for a broadway show sitting in the orchestra ain't too bad and you kind of figure out when you're a kid how to sort of go around it and um i don't know it just was like that's where i needed my money to go was seeing the shows because that's where i felt the most home you know, mm-hmm. was Broadway. Get you get, I know, I don't need to explain we, it to we you, get but it. Yeah, yeah, you get it, you get it. Okay, so I'm literally just gonna go like that and like just that. pick. Okay, um, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do left. this one. I'm gonna do this one because now we're gonna get this is completely random and it's, um, it's actually my favorite musical of all time. So I'm really glad that I landed on that. And this was the 0607 revival. This is the production when it was at the Broadhurst. And um, it was the first time I believe I had seen it professionally. So I was really excited. I mean, this cast was amazing. And, um, uh, you know, it was the last time I think I had, no, I saw it twice in the West End before they had changed the full production. But um, I even, I have my ticket. I was, I saw it with my grandma. I sat. Student Rush, it says. Student Rush. Um, Mez J18, which is house right of the Broadhurst. And I went with my grandma and it was, the cast was, it was, uh, oh, I didn't even know. That's amazing. It was Ali Ewell. It was um, Ben Crawford um, and Harada. Uh, uh, I can't really see. Um, I mean, Adam Jacobs. Um, it was just such an. I loved seeing it was so it much. Was it everything that you thought the Broadway production should be, of Les Mis, well, like sitting there in the audience? It was different, just because you know I grew up with the White Album and grew up obsessed with Frankie Raphael and Randy Graff and and everyone. So it was different, just hearing different voices. And it already had been a revival, so it had changed. You know, there there was a different there was a different sort of feel to it, and I was just so happy to be there and so ecstatic and um you know i what's funny is i was going to show you this but i do have a mary poppins tattoo right here um oh so it's an yeah. actual tattoo wow. an actual tattoo she leads me in the right direction that's why she's Jeez. that way um but i have a les mis tattoo 
um, right here, which is one day more in French in Victor Hugo's handwriting, but he never wrote the phrase. So I found his manuscripts and I pieced together his letters to form it. It's impressive. Oh. That's intense. That <laughs> is very intense. intense. It's scary. I know. You're all, you're all like, what, okay, next. What other <laughs> show us the back of the playbill. What other shows were happening at the. Oh, I was afraid you were about to say, show us the back of you. <laughs> tattoos back there. <laughs> Just giving you fame. Um, okay, so we have what are some Charlotte and Chorus Line ad? We love. Wow. We love. Um, but we have on the Broadway at this time is Chorus Line, Avenue Q, Beauty and the Beast, Chicago, Curtains, Deuce, Frost Nixon, Grey Gardens, Hairspray, Inherit the Wind, Jersey Boys, Legally Blonde, Les Mis, Mamma Mia, Mary Poppins, Old Acquaintance, 110 in the Shade, Rent, Spamalot, Spelling Peace, Spring Awakening, Tarzan, Color Purple, Drowsy, Lion King, Phantom of the Opera, Your Magical Thinking, Wicked, Xanadu. Oh, some gems in there. So, okay, so enough with me. Let's, let's, Megan, would you like to do yours? I guess I, um, so I have a bunch of the, those folders too, but they're all in storage, but I did have a bunch, um, here, um, in your classroom, in my, in my classroom. Um, but I'm, I'm not supposed to look at them. How am I not supposed to look? Oh. You you can do whatever you want. You can look at them. Um, I got my Hello Dolly playbill from when Bernadette Peters was Dolly. I I did not know. I did not know that that my heart needed that to see <laughs> Bernadette as Dolly. Like she's she's my ultimate favorite everything. Um, and it was it uh, her her performance was literally breathtaking. I, I gasped several times, especially when she was speaking to her husband. Like she, she, she brought such a range to that character that I wasn't, I wasn't expecting just because I've always seen Dolly as just a showy thing, you know, and, but fun and lovely. And, but there was, there was this depth all of a sudden with Bernadette that I was, I, I just, and Victor Garber, oh my gosh. Um, it was it was a magical, magical night. Do you happen to have any ticket stubs or anything in there? In here? Yeah, in the playbook. Uh, I don't think I have a ticket stub. Um, oh no, but um, there was an understudy on for Irene Malloy. Oh. Um, and I love that. I love, because I yeah. started out as a standby, so I love, I know exactly what's happening backstage and it's magic. So I, I love I love going to the theater and opening the playbill and a piece of paper falls out to yeah. tell you that there's something really special about to happen. Yeah. I'm sure you've talked about this before, but I'm I'm not aware of it. What I mean, your first time going on as Glinda when you were a standby, what was that like? What like what is what is that like for you going on stage? What an entrance! Yeah, it was it was terrifying because um, I was right out of college. I had I was a standby, so I didn't really know anybody. Um, I you know our dressing room at the Gershwin, the standbys we we are kind of separate. You know, um, I had two hours notice uh, my first my for my Broadway debut, 
And so I ran to the theater and, um, and Adina Menzel walked in the room and she was like, Hey, is there anything you want to go over? And I was like, <laughs> you know, I was so nervous and uh, I was a baby. I didn't, I, I, and it was the, it was such a gigantic show, you know, at that point it was, at that point, I think it was, uh, like 11 months into the run, like 10 or 11 months into the run, something like wow, that. That's a long time though, for you to just stand by. Oh no, no, no. I didn't start out with them. I, I stood by for, um, two months before I went on. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I'm saying like, since the, op like from the, opening oh, I thought, of the right. show, yeah. like, so it was a huge, I mean, it still is huge, but, um, uh, so it was nerve wracking, but Adina did something that I, I will never forget. She, she came in, she, um, she was like, Hey, is there anything you want to go over? And I freaked out and she was like, you know what, let's just go out there and make the show our own tonight. And I'll never, ever, ever forget it. It was such, and it, it might seem so small to people who don't understand how uh, understand that situation. She could have walked in there and said, Hey, at this point, I need you to be standing here. I need you to do this like that. I need you to say this like that. And she would have been completely within her right to do it. But instead she gave me the opportunity and the, and allowed me really to breathe and like be present with her and enjoy it or at least try to, you know, um, and it was, it was magical. By the end of the night, I felt like we'd been through something together. And I will never forget that enormous um, act of kindness and generosity. And I bet you've been able to pay that forward later on in your career, right? I, I, I try. You try. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, I'm interested to know uh, if, if you have another playbill there that you you want to share too, like do you have another playbill with you? Yeah, I say like you want to share one, like a second I have, one. I have oh, I have a couple of them. So I have my friend Kat McPhee and waitress. Oh, that's that's you, a good one. Oh to bring How do you guys know each other? Yeah. Well, you know, Mark seemed to be excited over that too. Back, she was magical in this. What? She was so she phenomenal. Was magical. We all know she's remarkably talented, but. Another instance where I, she just took my breath away. She was, sorry, chainsaws are going again. Um, yeah. <laughs> she was magic. I was so proud of her and it, it was just so easy. Everything with her is, she's so cool and she's so easy. It's mm. awesome. It's awesome. That's amazing. Because so, on Smash, you know, she played a character that sort of, she had to stay in this one, not one, but you know, she basically played this one character who had a certain way that made you think, well, that is who Kat McPhee is, but she's not. She's not. As, as anyone who follows her on social media now, you know, she's got a really big sense of humor. But uh, when I saw her in Waitress, you know, I, I hoped it didn't seem like a, a backhanded insult to go like, when I, w I was so overwhelmed by her. Yeah. Because even as, even having done two years on the so Smash and had her sing songs I had just written like right next to me there, but Waitress was just, you know, funny and dramatic, and also the stamina to sing that marathon eight times a week. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. she's right. remarkable. Yeah. Do you guys together, Mark and Megan? Do you share a um, uh, do you share a memory together on Smash that is kind of unforgettable that you can talk about when you're, you know, in fifty years from now? Like, um, do you have anything that you share like that? I do remember re recording. Let me be your star. Oh, 
I remember that night in the studio up in the in the West Fifties. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't know what we you know what this was going to be necessarily, and I didn't know is this the right key or is this is this the right tempo or is this okay? I mean, somewhere there's a demo of me singing, if you can imagine. I think me I singing. have. Oh yeah. boy, <laughs> it's not it's not pretty. Uh, so and so this was kind of the first moment, and and although I guess you girls have met by that time, but it was very it, embryonic. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, very new. Yeah, but it was exciting. I, gosh, and I just cherished, I cherish every memory that I have uh, in the studio with Mark and Scott. It, it yeah, was, what is that like, you know, working, I, were you familiar, I'm sure, with their work and oh, yeah, looked I up to them? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I was so, I was so nervous the first time I came to their, to their studio. Um, I just, I just wanted them to like me. I just want, I like, I'm, I was so, 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 so nervous. And um, I'm always afraid too, that when I'm nervous that I come off as like, I, I, like maybe aloof or something too. Cause I, I just, I just worry about anything, everything. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, the, those are my fondest memories are being in the the studio with Mark and Scott and witnessing their genius and uh, and getting quite frankly the the profound honor to be the first to voice so many of their songs. I mean, for sorry, Mark, go for it. No, no, just you know, imagine the, th the thrill for Scott and I. I mean, we we were writing one or two songs a week, and then to know that we had these two performers. Who were just gonna, you know, be phenomenal? They, I mean, we would write a song. I would send Megan this demo of me singing, and then she would like take the subway down to our apartment. It's not our apartment. It used to be mine and Scott's apartment. Our lives have changed, but we still work there every day at Scott's apartment, and we have a soundproof studio at in the back of the apartment. We were very lucky when we were looking for an apartment. Someone, after two years of searching, told us about this guy who was selling his apartment who had built a soundproof studio because he was a jingle singer, jingle writer. So so it's a phenomenal place to have and, and to get to work. You know, when Megan would come over, it's soundproof. And so you really feel like you're in this little cocoon and we could just relax. And also because of the nature of modern stuff, you know, the girls could learn the song almost on the spot and I'm just recording everything. So by the end of the day, I have, you know, the learning of the song all the way through the phenomenal performances. But sometimes there's something in that rehearsal that I can, you know, pull from. Anyway, I'm just blabbering, but and how um, did, I'm interested to know how that worked. How did that work with the TV aspect? Had you guys ever worked on in a TV capacity before both of you? And, and, and have you had you both been on any sort of television? I worked at Saturday Night Live for two, for a yeah. few years. One year completely, like literally, I was a full time job. Other years, I was just freelance. So I certainly knew about uh, working for the live pace, yeah, yeah, the pace and live television. Um, but nothing could prepare anyone mm. for what Smash was like. Yeah, on, I, I, on many levels. Yeah, I uh, I'd only done uh, like guest starring stuff, and um, I'd. Uh, I, I hadn't done any like series regular things. Like this was the most intense thing that I'd I'd been a part of 
on film at, at all. Yeah. And it was so beautiful too. Oh I mean, my God. what you guys collaborated on, it's, you know, there was a comment by my boyfriend, Remy. Um, he mentions, do you two realize how many drag queens lip sync to let me be your star? I mean, <laughs> it has permeated so much. Um, our friend Paige Turner, who is a very popular Hell's Kitchen uh, queen from Hell's Kitchen and has a huge following, um, does let me be your star. And it's like, uh, and it's so, and it's show stopping every time because that number is so perfect. And every, and it's, it's that it's, it all comes together so beautifully. And um, it's just such, a, it smashes amazing. And it's such a, it's such a moment in history and there's so many people that love it. And I remember watching the series premiere, like back when I was in high school and, and just being like, Oh my gosh, this is like, this is what I want to see on TV as somebody who loved theater and was so young and not knowing how the business worked and stuff like that. It was just, it was very, very, very the moment. I, my own moment of memory of that kind of thing. It was cause we would watch it, I guess every week. Uh, I mean, we'd certainly seen it. We've been working on it. I scored a lot of it, so I, I knew what the whole show was going to be looking like. But Scott and I, when we watched, I think, the fourth episode, when Megan did Let's Be Bad, <laughs> and that number, <laughs> the whole production of the number and Megan's performance, we were both just like, I can't believe that. That was just on TV. Wow. Can you imagine if, if you were in high school and that that was just on TV? Oh my God! We just that, couldn't believe it. That, yeah, that was, was that was my favorite thing to do, like hands down on the show. That was that song was just epic, and and the choreography and the costumes. I mean, it was all just yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Mark, did you? Sorry, go for it, Megan. Sorry, I didn't. Oh, no. Excuse me, one second. My best friend just came over. I I can't let her sit outside. I'm just gonna let her in. Sure. Please bring her on. No, so we can talk about me some more. Yes, no, I do. I do have a question for you, Mark. Sorry, Brian. I do have a very specific question. I mean, it's like uh, for, you're talking about seeing things on TV, but you know, you have something like the Sweeney Sisters on SNL, which that's a huge joke. In I was just case. thinking, wouldn't it be fun if someone did the Sweeney Sisters doing the songs from Smash? Why haven't, <laughs> why haven't drag queens done that? I don't know, but that needs to happen. Get on it. Now, you know, I have Playbill memories, even though I don't have Playbills with me. Well, I, that's I what I wanted to get to memories. next. I, I have some Playbills that you were a part of, so I'd like to maybe discuss them from your perspective. Question. Very specific question later on regarding Hairspray, but take it, take it away. Do you want to go for Hairspray? Who, me? Well, yeah, you choose. It's your, it's your. We're going to call it your Playbill memory for this one. Yes. Well, one was a big, shiny, bright hit, and the other one was a miserable flop. So, um, how dare you? Well, you it know, wasn't a miserable. When flop. I look at it, how dare you? I love Catch Me If You Can. I did too. I did but my too. Judaism, when I look at those two, I go, "Oh yeah, well that." Look, even the playbills themselves. Look at it. So it's colorful. So a little late in the smile, run, and the other one looks kind of funereal. That's that's when you know when the playbills go to black and white. I know. That's when, that's when we know. Uh -oh. when well, honestly, I'm so glad you brought that saving money because that's why I went to go see it because I knew it was going to be closing, and uh, you know I just wanted to go see it, so I rushed it with my dad back in. Uh, let's see, I do have the ticket here. It, this was, I guess, I think it was 2011. Two, yeah, August 14th, 2011, and um, I remember rushing it, and we got these horrible nosebleed seats all the way up in the mezzanine. And at intermission, my dad was like, there's front row seats that are open. We're going there. And we changed and <laughs> moved down there. Don't do that, guys. You should always ask an usher. But um, 
It was. I enjoyed the show. I did too. Yeah. I mean, you know, luckily it was nominated for best musical, but yeah. um, it, it obviously it, it ended not the way any of us wanted it to. But I, I mean, I have the memory of those songs and those performers nailing those songs. Aaron and and Carrie, you know, that's 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 of course. I don't mean to be so. Uh, morose uh it's just my nature um i judge florida state thespians every year and it's a big it's a big festival of eleven thousand high schoolers competing with theater and um i request solo music of course because you know look at me and um uh so many so many young performers sing fly fly away and i love that song it's such a brilliant brilliant song and look norbert leo butts i mean what about that i do can remember like that number stopping the show every night. I mean, it was like, yeah, it, those are phenomenal memories. Yeah. yeah. Um, specific question about Hairspray before you go into it, because there's a lot to talk about Hairspray. But I'm really interested because this is the type of artist that I am it, doing multiple things at once and sometimes multiple things within the project. You are executive producer and the writer of Hairspray. What was your experience like with that? Like, do, like how did that how is that for you in that creative process? Well, I mean, I think Scott and I were executive producers of the of the movie of of the musical. Oh, the uh, movie of the musical. Yeah, on Broadway we were just the writers, but uh, luckily on, on Broadway, the last place where the writer is the king, where uh, you really you know you have your dramatist guild contract that says you have to be able to hear the songs you've written in performance. Uh, so it's 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 a wonderful place to be writing. Broadway is, and um, you know, hairspray was. I mean, I you know, I've talked about it a lot. It was just the ultimate dream come true. Uh, beyond, it was the dream that you have while you're dreaming. <laughs> you're you're dreaming in the dream, and even that is more. It's even more than you could have ever ever imagined. It's amazing. And hopefully we will be able to see this again soon. I was supposed to go to London this past April and we had tickets to see it that got canceled. But uh, I saw that they announced today that they're coming back or they announced recently that they're coming back next April. They're gonna try again. You know, I just saw over here on the right, I wonder if my friend Jamie is still uh, listening and watching. My friend Jamie, who uh, when I was in New Jersey, young teenagers, we, we grew up, we were friends we were like, me and Megan have like the same relationship as me and Jamie had when we were 13 and 14, just loving harmony and shows. And her mother uh, dated Robert Preston. And somehow we got that message back to Robert Preston. So when we went to, I think the opening night, maybe not, of Mac and Mabel. And so that's when I was thinking of playable memories. Like I have the memory of Bernadette Peters, Megan, you'll appreciate singing time heals everything oh. on, on opening night and i think i was like 13 or 14 or something i can i swear to you i can still hear it in my head when she sang time <laughs> it, you know and i don't maybe there were little mics back then but it was it was really the sound of her voice on those notes filling the theater i can still hear it I can still feel it and hear it. So that's my playbill memory. Well, I, I have a horrifying memory from Smash that has to do with you <laughs> and Bernadette. Um, oh. I, I was coming to a recording session with you uh, to record 
what I thought was just my part of uh, the duet that me and Bernadette were doing. Uh, she, did I mention she's my hero? Like my ultimate all-time hero of everything? Um, I was late coming from set and our, um, my um, oh my gosh, I was uh, in the van going to your house and we got stuck behind every like garbage truck getting stuck behind a garbage truck in new york is like one of the worst things it's a plague of death anything i ended up being so late for that session i felt so bad and then i walked in and died because bernadette was there and they were waiting for me <laughs> it seemed like i didn't care about anything when it's the opposite and i i i was just mortified i had <sighs> Yeah, it's one it it's one of my worst memories from Smash because I I didn't want anybody to think that I didn't care because it it was quite the opposite. I, I remember sure that day. Were. I mean, you can imagine me and Megan and Scott just trading glances every now and then, going, "Look, it's happening." It's Bernard Peters. Yeah, we're in this room with Bernard Peters, just singing our song, or or I'm singing a duet with Bernard Peters yeah. and. You just never, that doesn't get, you don't get used to that. No. Yeah. Did Bernadette ever um, give you some like motherly advice while working with her? Did she ever like, was there ever a moment of like connection with her that? Oh you my God. Were... Yeah. Here's the thing about Bernadette. She is, she is even more kind than she is talented. If that's, <laughs> if you can even like imagine. Um, she's, she is like, old school supportive like she will be on set even in like a benefit you know she will sit through everybody else's sound check and just listen and support you know and not like give you notes or anything but like she'll just be there to support and clap for you and um and anytime we would we would talk about anything she would show up the next day and like bring me jewelry that she thought that i would like or that my character would like because of something I said. She would bring me clothes oh. that I would never fit into because she's Bernadette Peters and I'm not. Um, but uh, but the point was is that she was t she was showing me that she was listening to what I was saying and she was mm. you know engaging in in a very deep um, and supportive level. And um, yeah, we if if everybody tried to be like Bernadette Peters and Dolly Parton, the world would be a better oh. place for sure. Oh. Uh, that thank you, Megan. That's amazing. Um, Mark, I have a very specific another specific question. Were you there for Johnny Carson's last show? Um, uh, <laughs> yes. You've got to do better research. I'm sorry, what? Michael. What's wrong? I, I, I was there. I was part of it. I know. I'm. I'm saying. I. Where, where I, I want to know. Do you think I was playing from a from another <laughs> galaxy? Sorry. No. You'll edit this out. I know this is live, but still, you'll edit that part out. Um, that was. That was. That was me trying to make like a, a good, just like kind comparison. But thank you for calling me out. I love it. It's that. all right. Thank you. Um, what what was it like being part of Johnny Carson? Yes, oh, well, that's a that's a better, better question. Uh, no, that was that was what. That nothing will ever compare to that. And of course, people your age, I'm surprised that you even know what that was. But well, Michael knows all those older things that I have. But no at that, at that time, Johnny Carson retiring, he was the king of show business. And and everyone, the, the most famous people were all dying to get onto those final weeks. And then Bet called and said, 
oh my God, he's asked me to be the last guest. It wasn't actually the last show, it was the penultimate show. The last show was just him on a stool talking, oh. but everyone thinks of it as the last show and she was yeah. the last guest. So what a responsibility. I've written something, you can go to my website, markshamer.com. And there's a little like memory piece of, of that whole night. Nothing will ever, ever, you know, it was like floating, uh, you know, I mean, I could tell you the whole story, but it would take, you know, 20 minutes. And uh, that's what's so interesting about so many memories we hear from people. They have these responses where they can't put words to their well, those memories. Are the best, those are the best memories where, you know, yeah. if you're a really good writer, you can hopefully try to summon up what that was like if you write about it or, or you know, be a storyteller. Um, but yeah, that was the peak. That was a piece. That's amazing. What do you also, guys... as, as, as large as my ego is, mostly if I hear something I've worked on, I go, oh, what? why didn't I fix that? Or why did I choose that key? Or, oh. <laughs> But I can watch that last moment with Bet. I mean, the last 15 minutes of that show, but the last five minutes and go, that's, perf that's perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's, that's it very is. rare, even with my ego. I mean, it's perfect. It's yes. It is. Thank you for putting me in my place. And and you're right. What's funny is now I have you and Bette Midler who have both yelled at me before because when I photographed her, yeah, I had 30 seconds and I had to change one very, 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 very simple thing. And she goes, hurry up. And I was so happy because I, she yelled at me as if like my aunt would yell at me. So thank you for yelling at me. That makes me very happy. And now I could just- Well, you too. So no, we're gonna play a game. We don't need you to yell at him no. too. It's okay. No, okay. no, no, no. Thank, no, thank you. But uh, I can only take one per day. So. <laughs> at this point in the live stream event, we played Broadway-themed memory games. While these games are tons of fun, they're best enjoyed in the video format of our episode. If you'd like to see the game portion of this episode, visit My Broadway Memory on YouTube or Facebook. Now back to My Broadway Memory. Now, um, we, you know, we've come to the point in our in our show where we're winding down and we'll carry on with our nights. But um, uh, does anyone like how like do you want to share anything like anything exciting happening and um, you want to talk about anything? This is this is your time for you to speak and say hi. So besides becoming a first grade teacher, do you have any other news or any other yeah. events you're going to be doing? How are like your lives? So exciting. I just ordered all kinds of posters for my classroom oh. and <laughs> getting her computer ready and meeting my computer. And uh, do you do you put on different clothes? Do you put your hair up like in like in a little school mom? No, I'll let you think that I do. But um, I I actually since quarantine began, I um, especially because once it started, I we launched right into distance learning and um every morning we do the same thing. I get fully ready. I put my lashes on just like everybody else. And I, I curl my hair and like, I, cause otherwise I just don't feel like myself. So every day I fully put myself wow. together before we head out and, and do our thing. Yeah. That's um, no, I do a bunch of animation. So while, um, while, all of my concerts have either been, luckily most of them have been pushed to later next year. Uh, some of them have been canceled, um, but thank goodness I, I have several different um, cartoons that I work on that I'm able to record at home. We have a home studio 
Um, so I'm able to have like, I, I'm thanking all my lucky stars because so many artists are struggling so hard and, and we are, we are on that path because I mean, we don't know when, when these live performances will come back into our lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm, I, I am thanking my lucky, my lucky stars that I have these, these jobs to hold on to. Um, I, I know that, uh, that it makes me an, an extremely, uh, lucky person to have that right now. So I'm super grateful. Mm. Yeah. And Mark, do you have anything? I know you're going to be a part of the virtual gala that we were talking about earlier. No, basically all I do is eat. Good. Beautiful. No, I, I'm actually, I, we, Scott and I wrote a song for a friend's animated show also. It seems like, I mean, animation wow. right now is the only place in show business that is- That's continuing. Just continuing yeah. and thriving. Yeah. So we wrote this one big number for our friend's show. He's written a show about the royal family. It's based on his Instagram, where, he's, where he does an Instagram oh. as Prince George. Here they Sorry. come. My kids just came. Uh -oh. That's okay. Uh -oh. I love it. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. Cameo. So we've been recording that and uh, doing the orchestration for that right here. Uh, so that's, that. I mean, it's been nice to work for the last five days, but basically I've been doing nothing but just wondering what's going to happen to this world. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, yeah. Thank you both so much for coming on My Broadway Memory. I'm sure yes. our listeners and audience members were so excited to see you both for a little bit. And um, yeah, where can we find you guys on social media? Yeah. At Megan Hilty. That's it. I don't know, Mark Shaman, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Luckily, I'm the only one. Mark, Mark with a C. There's really no other one. So you'll find me. Beautiful. Good. Um, I, yeah, I think you have an underscore in between Mark and Shaman. So, you know, we just just for uh, the God is in the details, I guess. And, yes. You know, just making sure we can find you. But, um, you know, usually at the end of every episode, we announce next week's guests. And we will, though we are still working out um, guests for next week, we will say that they are from Jagged Little Pill. So if you love Jagged Little Pill, be sure to watch our show next week. And... Um, always, you know, follow us on social media, you know, and, you and watch us. that, the, you know, the French woods. Um, yeah. I know you mentioned in the beginning of the show, but you, you, you want to mention that again? Cause I, I know that's important. That's, yes. That's August 16th at 7 PM streaming on stars in the house.com. Uh, you'll find the virtual gala, uh, moments in the woods, which is raising funds for the Hancock, uh, French woods arts Alliance, which helps get, um, young artists into schools and it's a really life-changing um, nonprofit. So watch it, donate. You'll be, it's like a telethon. So you'll be able to donate in the moment. You can even donate now. Uh, so it's going to be a great night. So mark your calendars for August 16th at 7 PM at stars on the house, stars in the house.com. And as always, night. thank you to our amazing team at the Broadway podcast network, Dory, Berenstein, Alan, Seals, Brittany Bigelow, and Katie Rosen. We yes. even had some musical underscore there this time. Yes, I loved it. We, we love it. We can go out with a bang. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Mark. This is a marvelous episode. You guys are great. Thank you so much. Bye. Be safe. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. 
Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.